Welcome back to episode four now of Oh No No No, the Race Rovers podcast. I'm tonight's host, Robbie Weir. Um, we're making up a trio this evening. Uh, now, I'm not sure how this will go in terms of the all-time Race Rovers trio, whether we'll be a, a Gary Wales, Graham Weir, Kevin Smith trio, or whether we'll be Joe Kostrain, Yawose, and uh, Andres, uh, what was his surname? Andres uh, Thorson. Thorson, waft. Tonight, I'm joined by uh, the uh, the usual host, um, Duncan Cameron. Uh, welcome back, Duncan. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Good stuff. And uh, debutante, as I've been complimented on saying by Mr Ian Lato uh, for this evening, is Michael Watson. How are you doing, Michael? I'm good, thank you. Delighted to be here. And um, hopefully the debut will be more Didi Ag- Agathe rather than um, someone who had a less... Um, glorious debut. That's all right. That's absolutely fine. Well, fingers crossed for that. I think, obviously, you've been down in Berkshire. I think the only thing that we can relate to, to Rafe Rovers in Berkshire is probably Tony Rouge's spell at Reading um, in the early 2000s. So, yeah, that's yeah. A, a throwback to that. So, looking ahead, we have got a challenge cup. We had to figure this one out. A fourth round tie uh, coming up on Saturday against Montrose. Uh, Montrose currently sit third in League One. Um, the last time that we played them was the infamous season that got cut short, um, where we beat Falkirk to the league. Right. Um, and as, if you've seen the, the preview on the Race Rovers website, there was two goals from a certain Mr. Kieran Bowie um, and a goal from Ross Matthews to see off a, a 3-2 win. I think that was a, a late comeback almost from Montrose, but we managed to, to hold off. So we'll take a, a bit of a dive into the game, uh, have a bit of a look about what's going on at Starks Park um, this Saturday because there's a few events going on. Um, uh, we'll have the big question as we usually do and also as well a bit about the, the Twitter chat that we had um, sort of looking into uh, a certain Mr Robert Sloan who is now a follower of this podcast. So welcome in Bobby, uh, delighted to have you. I'm not sure if you ever get called Bobby but we'll see. Um, I'm sure you'll let us know soon enough. So yeah, to start off, obviously, Montrose, they're the highest placed team in League One out of the big big two, we'll call them, uh, Falkirk and Hamilton. They seem to have started the season reasonably well. Um, Duncan, just come to you, obviously, what are, what are your sort of thoughts leading into this game, obviously, looking in terms of uh, Montrose, what are you expecting from them? Um, it's definitely going to be an interesting one, uh, as you say, third place in that division, but I think it's five wins and four losses. Um, uh, but they've been they've been on better form recently. I think they lost three of their first four, which, if my math serves me correct, means they must have won four of their last five, possibly. Um, I did watch their highlights from their win over Aloha at the weekend. Um, first of all, I was very confused. If you just punch Montrose into YouTube, you get a lot of videos from Sammy Hagar's first band before he joined Van Halen. Okay. So I, uh, I get quite down the rabbit hole there. But managed to get myself back out again to watch that those Aloha highlights. Judging by the highlights, they um, I think they got a wee bit lucky in that one. It looked like a, a fairly open game. And uh, they've definitely got decent players, but I think they can be got at too. Um, Sean Dillon's a very good defender, but as we keep talking about on this podcast, with... Jack Hamilton aside, the movement and the kind of pace that's in that attacking front line, I think if you're Dylan Easton or you're Callum Smith or Lewis Vaughan, Sean Dillon's probably the the archetype defender that you'd choose to play against. Mm-hmm. You know, he wants the ball in the air, he doesn't want you in and around his feet. Um, so, an interesting one, certainly. I think that's uh, a fair assessment. Obviously, you look in terms of the, the depth that, that Montrose do have. Uh, Kane Hester seems to have really upped his game, actually, I think, since uh, Rory McAllister left. I think that, again, listening to a lot of the other sort of podcasts and analysis about sort of the, the lower leagues in Scotland, and you look at that division and you do think it's kind of going to be a match made in heaven. Rory McAllister always provided goals, whatever club he's really been at, pretty much. Uh, throughout his career, whether it's been at Peterhead, whether he's, I think he was at Breakin before, and Montrose, I, I don't think anyone was expecting any different. Um, but yeah, Hester seems to have done uh, reasonably well since he joined them from uh, Elgin. Uh, they've also got Michael Gardine in there as well, uh, Graham Webster, 
um, and the lad Lyons, I think, who went to, to Partick for a little bit, um, but he's back with them now. Uh, so, Michael, obviously, you, you're you tuning into Rovers from down south. Um, how do you feel the start of the season's gone, um, and what are your sort of expectations going into Saturday? Yeah, I think it's gone extremely well, actually. Um, I didn't know what to expect with uh, with some new signings, obviously a lot of activity off the field as well in the summer, but um, it's gone exceptionally well, and I'm delighted with where we are. I guess one of the key things is whether we can maintain that. Um, obviously, if not everything's gone our way. It never does in the game. But, um, yeah, can't complain at all. One of my only concerns, I guess, if you can call it one, is that I have no idea what our strongest lineup is. Um, there are so many options on the bench that if a, one player were to have a bad game, for example, you, you might have, for example, Josh Mullen might not have the best of games. Then you have this dilemma, do you drop him, bring Aidan Connolly back in? Um, has Vaughn been benched, do you bring him back in instead, etc.? But then you also have scenarios where maybe you, you don't drop him for somebody else and then he produces a magnificent cross that somebody has a, a nice little header against the post and puts the rebound in the net. Yeah. So um, there's a, it's, there's a, I think, do think we have got some way to find out what the strongest of living is. But on the other side of that, the other thing is that if things aren't going our way, as long as no, as long as we don't have um, the classic problem from years gone by and too many players injured, there is a lot of options on the bench where things can be brought on to change the game up. Yeah, so, yeah absolutely. Absolutely delighted with the way the season's gone. I've been a bit disappointed that Jack Hamilton's um, going to going to miss a few weeks. I know he's not necessarily had a hugely prolific start, but um, he's a classic centre-forward. He's good in the air, and um, he's also very capable of the old, the old uh, poacher's goal. So um, I'm hoping he manages to get, get himself back to fitness um, as soon as possible and try and get him back in the team again. Because, um, we don't have another player in the squad like him. Obviously, yeah. got Vaughan, Gullen, etc. up front. Um, totally different type of player, and I think they could uh, benefit a lot from playing off Jack Hamilton. Yeah, uh, I think that's a, a fair assessment, and uh, I, I'm hardly going to be dishing out world exclusives um, when I say I was actually down the gym on Monday and uh, saw half the squad. I don't talk to them because I'm an absolute shite bag. Uh, but yeah, um, I, I just leave them to their business. Um, I've, I've, the only one I've ever spoken to is really Ross Milne, uh, just checking before the Cali game whether he'd be back from injury. But uh, yeah, Jack Hamilton was down there um, among the others, and he Again, you can't really look too much into it, can you? But at the same time, hopefully, as you say, he's back for Saturday. So I think Saturday is um, probably a good question to ask you then. Is, um, do you think it's going to be a good game for, for getting the bounce players in? I mean, if you look at the, the lineup and you've got lads like maybe the younger lads like Andy McNeil, um, for example, being out on loan, not have much game time with ourselves. Um, on top of that, Adam Masson as well. Um, he last started, obviously, um, came into the game against Airdrie, but then hasn't had any game time since. Do you think those younger lads should be getting an opportunity, maybe lads like Connolly as well, coming back in after a longer-term injury? Do you think this is a good opportunity to do that, or would you sort of go all guns blazing into the, the sort of fixture? I'd definitely be making the changes. Um, perhaps I'm still scarred from uh, the Challenge Cup issues a few years ago when we lost Aaron Lennox for the season um, against Montrose, I think it was actually, wasn't it? Um, was it was Brora, I think. Brora Rangers, Brora. I might. Yeah. We lost him for the season and uh, that obviously had a negative impact because uh, the keepers that came in to replace him um, will be kind and say had their issues. So um, from that perspective, I'm, I'm always I'm always getting nervous now. It's it's completely triggered me that one. That any time we're in we're in this tournament, it's like don't play the first choice keeper, mm. keep them safe, play the play the reserve goalkeeper, and you do have to give the, the other goalkeepers a shot as well because you, you can't expect them to just suddenly come in from nowhere and do the business. So any opportunity you have to give them a run out, I think is always a good one. And um, a, a cup tie against the team in the league below us is, is certainly a good opportunity to do so. Aidan Connolly as well. Um, I'm assuming he's now at a place where he would be capable of starting and hopefully getting a good 60, 65 minutes into him. I think that's important as well. Um, we know what he can do. He's a fantastic player. And it seems that it's something you think would be unthinkable last season, but he's not an automatic first pick at the moment. There's so many options in there, um, particularly Josh Mullen, for example, coming in. Um, Carl Smith also having a, a nice run of form as well in the season. He's not an automatic first pick now, and he's exactly the type of player that we want to be in and around the first team. I would certainly have him in two. 
In defence, um, Adam Marston, as you mentioned, I would look to be starting on. Um, again, obviously, the Airdrie game didn't really quite go the way maybe he hoped it would in the end. But ultimately, um, players don't improve unless you get them some game time. And on top of that as well, if there are any players that have perhaps been um, maybe on the cusp a little bit with injuries or have uh, slight niggles, then always it's a good opportunity to um, to swap them out for a week and maybe give them a little bit of a break, get them uh, maybe 20, 20, 25 minutes on as a sub if necessary. But I'd certainly be looking to, uh, and all those players would certainly be looking to uh, get a start and just mix things up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I think that that's a fair assessment. And and Duncan, I think I think we kind of saw that a little bit already uh, when we played Clif- uh, Cliftonville in the last round of the cup. Obviously, Robbie Thompson came in and played from the start. Um, and I think it might have been a fair assessment to say. Now, I am very very biased in this. I'm just going to get this out of the way. Uh, Callum Hannah's family sit behind me at the football. Uh, lovely, lovely people. Um, and I was sitting next to his uh, grandfather that day. Um, who obviously were all itching to see Callum make his debut because he's uh, just a thoroughly good lad. Uh, just really, really nice lad. Um, good head on his shoulders, uh, sensible, and um, just he's so delighted to be at the club right now. Um, and I was itching to see him make his debut that day. Uh, but obviously, Robbie Thompson gets injured and that takes one less sub away. So the question for yourself, Duncan, do you think that's again? We obviously saw that in the last round. Do you think it's it's a, a sort of opportunity just to sort of carry that on? Would you would that be something for yourself that you'd want to see, or do you are you very much a, a died in the wool? We want to go as far as we can. Cliche machine. Um, I am a cliche machine. That's definitely true. On this subject, though, I'm I'm probably somewhere in the middle. So I was hastily scribbling uh, a starting eleven there. Um, mostly to make sure I didn't forget anyone, which I'm I'm prone to do. I would I would keep Kevin Dabrowski in, uh, for one thing. I think he needs minutes as much as anything. Um, you know, he's he's twenty five, he's a good age, he's not had a huge amount of football. It's a Saturday, you know, it would maybe be different if it was a midweek, if we had a heavy schedule, there was a lot of games going on, but I would be inclined to keep him in there. So and just, that's, uh, it's a it's a good point, but who are we going to see Alan Trout and Cruyff turn um, after dispossessing away at Clifton Hill inevitably at some point future uh, when we we lose them to injury? Well, just get some sort of Slovakian uh, lone ninja <laughs> camouflage trouser toting maniac. Um, I'd, I'd roll the dice on that. I think um, as much as every single Challenge Cup game we play, our goalkeeper does get injured, uh, like Spinal Taps drummers. I, I, I'd i play Dabrowski for this one. I think uh, I like continuity in my goalkeepers, and uh, unlike John McGlynn, I, I, I would keep him in for that. Um, <laughs> uh, Robbie, don't look at me. I'd probably play Liam Dick as well. Um yeah, I would. I would hopefully get Callum Hanna off the bench, get my debut at home. But I would probably keep Liam Dick in, um, because what I would like to do is start Adam Masson and get him a good proper bit of game time there. And I think what he doesn't need is another young player in that back line. Yeah, kind of, that's, that's fair. Yeah, I think it's, it's easy enough to bed in if you've only got one. Um, that again is a reason for keeping Kevin Dubrovsky in. In terms of who Masson comes in for, I think there's a question mark there. Ewan Murray's been carrying a shoulder injury. If he could do with the rest, I would play Masson and Brown. Now, that's not ideal because it means Adam Masson's not got a proper centre-half next to him, but Liam Dick's there. And uh, I would play Ross Millen because he is our only right-back. That's fair um, enough. Well, we could play Miguel there. So, I Miguel I've got uh, starting somewhere in the midfield. I just feel like he's due a, he's due a shot where he wants to play. That would be that would be the starting point of my starting eleven. Actually, I would let Scott McGill play where he wants, Bobby Barr style. Let him go out and just do what he wants, and then build a team around him because he's 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 filled in uh, everywhere else and he's he's done it without complaint as far as I'm aware. So I would have McGill in from the start. I would have Connolly in from the start. Um, Masson, as I say, I would start as well. And then really you're just sort of plotting in around them with the only other sort of preference for me would be to rest Sam Stanton. 
because um, a little bit like you said, Michael, about the fact that we don't really have another Jack Hamilton. I don't think we've really got another Sam Stanton either. And opportunities to rest him are going to be few and far between. So I would um, I would take Stanton out, probably put Miguel in there. Um, so my hastily scribbled um, lineup is a 4-1-3-2 because Ian Murray seems keen on it. And if you can't use it against a team in the division below, then really when can you? Um, so if Brown's not in defence, then pick either one, Brown or Burn, to sit whoever needs less of a rest, I suppose. Um, and then McGillan at number 10. I've got Easton on the left, but it could be any one of a number. Uh, Connell on the right, and then Smith and Gullen as a front two. Uh, with Jamie Gillen under uh, strict instructions not to just tear off onto the wings again, as he always does. Always. Did you uh, did you get always. upset about that one on uh, Saturday there, Duncan? Yes. Yeah. I was quite pleased. I turned to Ian Lato and I just said, he's exactly, it's exactly what he said. He said that he'd, he'd run out wide. And I, I, I understand that he's got the work ethic and he, he does it with good intentions. But at the same time, when you're trying to play him as a number nine, I can understand everyone's frustration as well. Like, I mean, I said, I said, I think it was Blair that, that made the point and I, I kind of tried to, as politely as I could to argue with him um, in that preview podcast, which is so if, sometimes you need a striker who's going to run the channels and is going to move around and drag defenders around. But sometimes you just need someone to aim for the penalty spot and be an option. And that was exactly what happened there. Was it Dylan Easton, I think, running through, only had... Um, Jamie Gullen ahead of him. Easton's already starting to kind of bend his run to the left, and Jamie Gullen goes left as well. And and it's yeah. like watching two cars merge further and further left on a motorway. It's That's just... exactly it. And it's like I, I nearly took out the guy next to me because it was just like get <laughs> into the middle because because Easton obviously has only got one option. So Easton yeah. plays it into the channel for Jamie Gullen, who looks up and there's nobody there because as I said last week, like that's you. That's you're looking for you because we're playing one up front and it's you. See, Duncan, my 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 issue is that now that I am forever in Jamie Gullen's debt for that goal uh, against Inverness that has ended our ended that misery <laughs> that just continued to perpetually just exist in my life. So yeah, as far so as I'm concerned, don't don't misconstrue this as uh, anti Jamie Gullen uh, propaganda. That's exactly I, what I'll do. Only when he's supposed to be playing as the sole striker. I think yeah. Callum Smith's a really good example of how to play those two roles and, and, and wear two hats almost. If yeah. Callum Smith's on and he's playing as a winger, he plays out wide, he takes up those spaces and he looks for balls in the middle. But if he's playing up front, he stays central and he plays on the shoulder of the last man. Whereas Jamie Gullen just seems to always be always be on the move. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's certainly, as I say, it has its uses. But sometimes that's not what you need. I think last season, much more so than this season, it was a problem. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I feel like you can almost actually get into a point where work ethic can become a hindrance because he's he just works so bloody hard. Like it's just like a like watching a dub chase after a football. It's just like I just Tears away, tears away. But no, um, I think it's. I can understand completely where people are when they're when they're talking about this point, and you just want to have that sort of. It's like I mentioned about Jack Hamilton, obviously almost suffering because being a target man and the number nine at the same time. Um, I think it's almost a, a sort of having Gullen being a number nine, but then he turns into a, a sort of inside forward type player just with the the, the movement. So to get back on track, um, Michael, I'm going to ask you, if we had Keith Watson fit, would you start him from the start for this one, given that he's no. obviously missed a few weeks? No, I'd, uh, I'd keep him on the bench and only bring him on if necessary. Um, obviously, he's missed a couple of games now. There's been some sort of, will he make it, will he won't. Obviously, he hasn't made it, so... Um, it makes you think that maybe his injury was a little bit more uh, substantial than you otherwise might have hoped it would be. So I seem to recall that before Dundee United, there were some whispers, oh, maybe he'll make the game, maybe he won't. Obviously, he didn't, wasn't in the squad. 
So I'd certainly give him up the time to rest that he needs. As I say, though, if he was in a place where I guess he got to maybe so like 85%, maybe, I'd put him on the bench just in case he was needed. If, for example, you start massing and he were to get injured, then you might start to worry what you might do. Um, and then if he's there, if you absolutely need to bring him on, you can bring him on to show things up if necessary for the last 10 minutes. Or if somebody has to... Uh, somebody has to um, go off injured for whatever reason. So, no, I, I wouldn't. I'd definitely give him the time that he needs this week to um, make sure he's back and as fit as possible for the next league match because um, ultimately, we're probably touching upon a future topic here, but um, the league is far more important than this tournament. Yeah, I mean, I think... Carry on, Duncan. Sorry, Robbie, I was just going to see if your uh, your inside knowledge from the gym <laughs> or indeed anywhere else any indication on uh, Dylan Carr and what his availability is? It seems like he's been close for a long time. So after contracting my chest muscles as much as I could um, doing uh, pec flies, I did not spot Mr. Dylan Carr floating about the gym, which I would guess would mean that he's, he's still injured. What's interesting is you'll usually see them in with um, sort of the physio if they are injured. So obviously that'd be uh, Lorden or Blair. You would usually sort of spot them down there, which sounds... Uh, I'm just realising how creepy this actually sounds right now. But, um, yeah. Uh, all right, you, mate, just you tell them about your podcast and it'll be fine. Aye, that, that'll aye. explain it. Aye, aye. Um, but, yeah, it's um, obviously you you notice the players that are injured. Obviously, you, you, you're sort of players that are sort of there. And it tends to be in a smaller group, obviously. But, no, I, I did notice on the um, on the sort of inside match day um, thing, that Rovers released for the Dundee United game that one player was on crutches with Callum, uh, Adam, and um, I'm not sure who else was there. Um, but yeah, sort of going by the, the track side. So I think they did have their head up. So I'm going to guess that was Dylan Corr, uh, given that he is a bit younger and they'll probably know those lads. But yeah, uh, there's not obviously been any sort of further indication as to, to what's happened with, with Dylan. And I'll, I hope he does get back soon because this is exactly the type of game that you want Dylan Carr back for, or just an opportunity to build up his confidence. Um, it's interesting speaking to, again, the people that have sort of watched him play at a youth level, because they said, see, even as a, a 14, 15-year-old, absolute unit of a player. Like, he's got all the attributes to go and kick on. And it, you do, again, he seems like just a really nice lad. You watched the interview that he did with Davey, and just yeah. sitting down and chatting about it. His dad used to play, obviously, in goals, and... Uh, he was at Celtic, and then he, I know he was at Air for a bit. Um, but yeah, it just seems like a really nice family, and you just want them to sort of kick on and just obviously have that opportunity. And I know that he's only signed that one-year deal, and I think he's obviously, I think both parties have kind of said, we'll see how it goes. From his perspective, he's probably thought, get a load of game time, and then be able to kick on and move up the ladder. Rovers probably says, obviously, give him a chance and see how it goes. Um and I thought it was quite interesting when they did come in because he is sort of like the first signing that we brought in. Um, and again, it's it's one of the ones that probably did fly under the radar a bit because then after that, I think the signing after was Jack Hamilton. And then after that, we signed Josh Mullen and then Callum Smith. And you're thinking, oh, Christ, we've signed a lot of players that have got a lot of experience and are very good at this level. Whereas with Dylan Corn, nobody really knew what to expect. And he gets chucked in the deep end in a Fife derby. Um, and then he has the game at Annan. And then after that, the injury comes and we've yet to see him again come back into the squad. So I really hope that the lad gets a chance to, to build up his fitness and obviously kick on and just being able to, to move forward. Yeah, definitely. As you say, he, he looked really good. I, I thought he, he um, pre-season, he just looked kind of beyond his years. Um, I was quite impressed. And I think naturally he would have dropped out of the team when, uh, when you and Murray came in. But as you say, these are the kind of games where he would absolutely be getting minutes. And it's it's a shame for him that he's missing out. But it's an opportunity for uh, for someone like Adam Masson to come in. So, um, yeah, yeah uh, interesting to see how that, how that defence comes together. Because there are certainly options. Um, if you want to rest anyone, you can do. But there's maybe not perfect replacements. So it's it's a trade-off. But uh, as you said, you know, Ian Murray swapped his goalkeeper last time out. He's obviously prepared to make um, changes for this competition. 100%. 100%. So I think that the overarching question sort of that always crops up with this tournament, and I'll just ask it now. Um, Michael, you kind of sort of touched on this. 
Obviously, the Challenge Cup, I know that Danny Denham has once referred to this as within the, the dressing room at East Fife, I think he was at, at the time, as the Jobby Cup, as it was called. Um, do you think, obviously, we've we've had a lot of success in this competition over the last few years. We've been uh, we've obviously won it at its, its peak when Rangers were in it. And I think everyone would agree, we are n- there is no chance that we will ever get a, a, an opportunity in this competition, barring unless we pump Dunfermline for five or six in a final. You're not going to get better than that day against Rangers. But do you think it is worth the effort? Or is it just, as you say, obviously, I know that you touched it, you've, your sort of the viewpoint that the, the, the league is, is sort of more important. But then again, for a lot of these players, maybe it is the best opportunity to get their hands on some silverware. We win this one, we're into the quarterfinals, and we've had a track record to get into the finals. So do you think it's maybe a bit different for the players? Or how do you think that that would come across, Michael? I think it really depends on how the team itself was actually doing in the season. Um, obviously, we uh, the last season we had the the final appearance against Hamilton, which unfortunately we lost. Um, putting aside my normal feelings about the cup, I was pretty disappointed about that because ultimately we weren't having a very good season the week. In fact, from about February onwards, you could see that we weren't in any danger of going down, but we also weren't really going to. Um, you could see everything falling away, and we weren't going to make the playoffs and. There then came that ridiculous point in the season when we were the only team in the league that had nothing to play for. So um, from from that side, the season was a bit of a bust, and winning the winning the cup might have been a would have been a nice little uh, distraction from that perspective and bring a little bit of joy, which it can do. I mean, it's not the most important cup. It's uh, I wouldn't quite as go far to call it the, the jobby cup. I usually use the Diddy cup. I've been disparaging about it myself, but um, yeah, it's not something I've ever got too excited about. Although. The hypocrite in me does tend to get a bit happier when we get to the latter stages of it. So there's a sort of stage where I'm not that bothered. But when you get to the quarterfinal, it's like, hmm, okay, let's see how this one goes then. Then even in the semi-final, we had the game against uh, Kilmarnock, for example, where um, we we obviously won, got to the, set up the final. And then um, you also had a couple of quite, quite nice moments as well in the, the penalty shootout against Dundee as well, being quite a quite an interesting one with Robbie Thompson bamming all the Dundee players up and then saving the penalty. So, you know, it's um, uh, I, I guess my, my take on this is that I'm a bit of a hypocrite and I'll become interested when we get to the last stages. For the players, it's it's hard to gauge, but again, I think maybe if the season's not going quite so well, it gives them something to uh, something to work for and something to look forward to. So, um, it'll be interesting to see how that one plays out tomorrow, based, given how we started. Yeah, I think that's a, a fair summary. To be honest, one of the big actual, sort of, not so much, I wouldn't call it ever a regret, but one of the games that I wished I'd been at, uh, I didn't go to, um, and it was right before COVID, was the away day at Partick Thistle, uh, or the away evening, on the. Fr- I think it was a Friday night. Um, I did find an amazing pizza restaurant in Edinburgh, uh, down in Gorgie, but... Um, yeah, that was uh, that looked an absolutely rocking away end that night. There was flares going off on the concourse. I don't know. Did you get along to that one, Duncan? Or? I was I was at that one. I think it was Valentine's Day. Yeah, yeah, uh, well, that's why. <laughs> but that um yeah, but that no, that was that was an excellent um an excellent atmosphere. And I think kinda of proves the point of it doesn't really matter that it's the Challenge Cup if you're winning. I think it's quite an easy go-to, almost defence mechanism, and not to say that it's not true. But what as soon as you get beat, it's very easy to go. I it was a challenge cup. It's fine. Who cares? Yeah. But at the same time, it's still games of football. You still get good moments in it, and certainly if you win it, it's enjoyable. The thing for me, so Saturday we've got a game, which is good. I prefer yeah. that. You know. Um, it's different when it's Tuesday nights and you're having to trek up north somewhere or go to Wales for some reason. Um, but it's a free weekend. I understand there's people who like to get to Scotland away games and it causes bother for them. It's not a position that I'm in. So I've I've never been quite as down on the Challenge Cup as um, as others have. I certainly think the inclusion of the, the underage teams um, sullies it. To quite yeah. a fair degree, um, that is my one major point of contention. I, I'm, I'm actually very surprised they're still doing it because it, yeah. it, it doesn't stand up to any kind of scrutiny. 
the uh, the clubs from like Wales and Northern Ireland and uh, I don't know if they are the teams from the Republic of Ireland still doing it. I don't think they are, are they? I've got no idea. They seem to just, yeah. uh, just spin a spin a wheel. Change. But to be honest, I would absolutely fucking love an away day at somewhere like Northern Ireland. I think that would be class just in terms of the opportunity. Yeah. My my best friend, um, his girlfriend is from Larne, I believe it is. I'll get a bollocking if that's wrong. Um, but yeah, <laughs> um, it would just be a, a real opportunity to, to sort of go somewhere a bit different. And again, just sort of see what the experience is like. And to be honest, following some of the stuff, the content, like I know that lad Blair McNally, um, Partick Thistle fan who does a lot of away days in terms of like just covering grounds and, and sort of that sort of football vlogger content. Some of the stuff that you see from Republic of Ireland in particular actually looks a really good atmosphere and that's what you want to see. And one thing that was interesting about the uh, the Partick Thistle away game that I didn't get to was that it kind of almost felt like it was like the birth of the, the sort of young team sort of environment at the Rovers, like with this sort of flares going off on the concourse, there was a bit of buzz Friday night, people having a bit of a drink and then going to the football and to be honest it's if that's the sort of thing that it can provide for the club, then I'm all for it, I know that obviously the, the sort of young team element, there's probably going to be a lot of people that maybe raise eyebrows or question certain bits of it, but it's just local lads going to see their local football team having a bit of a day out. And to be honest, we've all probably gone through that phase when we are younger, depending on how extreme it's been. It might differ. Um, obviously, there's elements that we understandably do need to, to nip in, uh, stuff like the pitch invasion. But that's obviously, it feels like it's a bit of younger fans. Whereas the lads that are up the back singing before with stuff like the uh, the that Partick game, uh, yeah, just the, the atmosphere on the back of that, you just think, aye, that's that's going to be the type of stuff that's going to get people sort of out their seats, want to be involved, especially for younger lads. So yeah, all for it. Um, so yeah. Um, so is there any final thoughts on our fourth round fixture against Montrose before we go on? Um, just to say that I think it'll be a, a decent game. Um, you know, we mentioned a couple of times in there. We, we've talked a lot about you know swapping players around and the fact it's a team from the division below. I think we've we've maybe neglected to to kind of give Montrose their due, largely because uh, I don't think between the three of us we know a huge amount about them. But yeah. it, it is worthwhile saying they're obviously a decent side. Um, they have been a decent side over the last few years. I think it'll be a very good game. Um, and the fact that we're talking about moving players around, I think is no disrespect to Montrose. I think it's actually more a reflection of where our league uh, campaign has been so far, and that we've got players who are in really good form but who actually just need a rest and for possibly the first time in uh, a long, long time, we have legitimate options on the bench for players who are properly knocking on the door, needing a start as well. So um, yeah, I think it'll be an interesting one. Um, Definitely. And I wouldn't at all be surprised if it's a very close run thing. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's that's fair enough to agree with. Now, it would be remiss of me to, to mention Cups and Rafe Rovers and not say that we had a very successful Cup run in 1994 that led to Bayern Munich, which in turn mentions Germany. So, Oktoberfest is coming to Starks Park this Saturday. Um, Graham mentioned earlier on to me that they're going to have a bit of a shindig in terms of the race suite. It's going to be open from 12 um, before the match. Um, lots of stuff going on there. You've got John Greer of this parish talking about um, the, the sort of reminiscing back towards, obviously, the glory days uh, of the early 90s. Scott Thompson's going to be making an appearance as well. Um, and a couple of people from our podcast as well. So I'll be going along, potentially, maybe one other. So um, if you do get the chance, uh, batter in. Uh, feel free to, to come along. It's free entry um, and the, the beverages should be flowing and uh, give a, a good run-up. Uh, looking forward to, obviously, Saturday's game against Montrose. Um, so, yeah, um, is that something that, you, for you guys, do you think it's something that's quite positive to see from the club that they're, they're sort of coming in with these initiatives and opportunities? Yeah, definitely. I think it's probably worth mentioning. I think it's free entry, but you have to register in advance. Nah, they didn't I tell me that. So. Did not tell you that? I read uh, that somewhere. Maybe that was me. Maybe it's just me. Um, maybe you don't. 
maybe you don't. Check first, though, because you don't want to be turned away at the door. That's the, the level of professionalism that I bring to this podcast, Duncan. So, yeah. Well, I read yeah, I, one I think tweet just... earlier. Sorry, Michael, on you go. No, I was just going to say, I think it's good to say that the club's trying to make an effort about these things. Um, I, I get the impression, maybe it's a bit unfair, obviously I don't live nearby and will probably inevitably miss things that others might pick up, but I got the impression that the commercial side of the club had really fallen down and that we, I'm not going to quite say we weren't trying anymore, but we weren't doing anywhere near enough about to get people in the door with things that might entice them. So uh, hopefully with uh, with this, it's the sort of thing that will entice people to go along. Maybe if they're it's kind of on the on the edge, will I go to the game or not? Or oh, if there's a Oktoberfest thing going on, it might be something that just brings a few more people in and uh, gets them interested. Yeah, I think that's. Uh, I think it's fair. I mean, without sort of um, sort of speaking out against anyone that's been with the club historically, I think there's been a lot in the works that's now coming to fruition. That's probably even predated. Obviously, Duncan, you'll know as well. From we were both involved with a fan panel that was set up before, and a lot of the stuff that Ben and Laura came out with is sort of stuff that's worked in the longer term that's came to fruition. Um, so again, talking about the away kit that's been so successful, that was something that they'd mentioned sort of very very early doors that it was going to have tell a story and historical ties. They didn't tell us what story it was going to be, but they did sort of mention beforehand. So when you see it come out and you think, all ah, right, that's what's happening with this. And just to watch it all come, because obviously these things don't happen overnight. But yeah, what a stellar job, obviously, that's going on at the club at the moment. I know it's it's very easy to sort of go into happy clapper mode. And obviously, uh, I think people from the outside probably have quite envious looks but as well at the same time that works as well for the positives um, because I, I can see already a, a, sort of, I think there's been a mention among Dunfermline fans sort of saying we've got German owners but we're not doing this why are they doing it but we're not doing it um, so again props to everyone that's been involved because I think it's it's very easy to sort of sit there and um, like I, I've touched on it a few times whether it's been on here, whether it's been on Twitter but they do deserve a lot of credit for, for taking the steps to tr- sort of build up and, and sort of engage with the support and, and sort of to try and also build the fan base. I know that Saturday is not exactly potentially a high bumper crowd but even in the home games before we've seen such a big change um, in terms of the atmosphere the acknowledgement of uh, people coming along to games, how important it is that you belong um, so yeah, it's, I think just within the, the local community, it's been uh, been really, really good to see. And again, probably a bit of this podcast is down to the fact that there's been such a, a sort of engagement that you can sort of feed into and stuff like this kicks off. So yeah. Yeah. If I, I mean, if I was to, to kind of categorize the commercial stuff from beforehand, I think it would be kind of good people working under shite conditions it is the way it looked to me, where... You've got the guys on the ground as part of that sort of commercial team. Um, you mentioned Ben and Laura. There's others involved as well. It, and again, this is very much what I could see rather than anything I was told directly. But it, it felt to me like they were coming up with the ideas and a little bit like Blair said last week when he was talking about the social media stuff. He was yeah. being told like, yeah, actually, you know, hang hang fire. Don't, don't worry about that. And it just felt like there wasn't, the buy-in previously so your commercial guys are coming up with all, all the ideas they can come up with but if every time they take them upstairs they're told there's there's not the money for that or nah, we, we didn't really didn't really see the point in that you're never going to see see the results and that seems to be the the biggest change is that there's there's that willingness to try stuff um you know, I've been as critical as anyone of of that sort of the the outcome of that singing section trial. You know, the way that it, it spread fans across too wide an area, it seemed like the the noise was dissipating. But the willingness just to to try it, to go and do it, and see what happens, yep. and then assess that, and and either keep it or get rid of it. That just willingness to to try stuff is is refreshing and is massively. Um, contributing i think to the general atmosphere that's around yeah i think that's a that's a fair assessment of uh, where things are at the moment and i think it will be interesting to see um how things go over the next few months because again i think it's probably quite easy for people outside to sort of say ah but you're winning games of football um and it's easy to do i think it was yourself and blair that sort of spoke about it's not so easy to meme on things when you've been pumped 4-0 but again 
you've just got to to sort of accept the rough with the smooth, and I think that um, it will be interesting to see how things go um, just in the longer term. And I'm very excited to see what actually comes up over the next few months as well, because obviously there are some very big events. You've got sort of the Hall of Fame night coming up as well. That I, I fully hope that we could obviously at some point we'll get John clear back on to, to, to obviously speak in a bit more detail about that because that does look a really interesting event and it's again something that seems very fan driven um, one thing I would mention as well um, just to, to sort of talk about the social media side um, is that yeah it was really good to see the, the sort of engagement it got brought up about uh, a certain Mr Robert Sloan uh, got mentioned um, and there was the question getting raised on social media is Robert Sloan the best dead ball specialist um, that's been involved with Rovers? I think yes. the consensus overwhelmingly was yes. I think it's between him or Ryan Conroy would probably be. And there was a few shouts for Craig Brewster in there as well. But just to say, yeah, thanks for um, to to everyone who's uh, sort of got back on that debate. Something that we fully, fully encourage. We want to see obviously as much interaction as possible. Um, so yeah. Um, just really, really great to, to see. And obviously, I noticed that it led to conversations between sort of Blair Hopcroft and he's talking to sort of Robert Sloan and Wayne Henderson, our old goalie coach and things like that. So it's just nice to see because, again, Blair mentioned this uh, before, that a lot of clubs will just sort of maybe ignore what's happened in the past and maybe former players and talking about how things have gone and, and sort of recounting the glory days or it can be sort of almost like a passing kind of pat at the back but we're, we're rovers I think that you get that feeling that it's got that bit of special meaning that it's just obviously you can you can look at the videos at the time um, and stuff like the, the Sloan free kick at, uh, against Brecon that's on YouTube it just sort of like the, the one from the south stand and yeah just really really um, really nice to see and um, again, obviously, I don't, I've no idea what he'll be up to nowadays, Robert Sloan, but I hope that he's doing all the best because he's delivered a lot of happy memories for our support across the time that he played for us. Um, and just seems, again, just a really lovely guy. So uh, thank you, Tim. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, just in terms of the, the former players, it does seem like there's a, a stronger connection there. And it's probably worth shouting out the work that well, John Greer does, you know, the former players association on the back of uh, a huge amount of work done by the the late great Ali Gourley as well. So, yeah. you know, that um that doesn't come from nowhere. And uh, yeah, credit to the, the people involved for, for making that happen. But again, I think that, that clubs like Rafe Rovers, I know that we obviously you, you you talk about volunteers and football clubs and we obviously know it more than any club probably in Scotland, if not the UK, in terms of the impact that the volunteers have and what happens when people start making decisions. Um, Ali Gourley, I, I never knew Ali Gourley, I never met him, but obviously saw the work that he did and uh, just seemed like an absolutely stellar character to have involved. And you look at the stuff that he does and it goes to show you, see if you want to get involved with the club, there's no barrier. Stuff like this podcast has just been set up by fans for fans. We're not going to be exclusive. We're not going to be exclusionary. Uh, it's very much the case that, obviously, if you want to get involved with the club, uh, there's no obligation for people to do it. But if you want to take it, you've got the opportunity to. And people like yourselves are the people that do make Rafe Rovers involved, like, obviously, yourself, Duncan, Michael. The stories that get told, it, it's all something that we're all part of. Um, and I know that they've got the hashtag, you belong. But it's actually very, very true when you think about it. So, yeah. Um, just really nice to see sort of that type of chatter and again it's the type of thing where if you're maybe having a bit of a rougher day and I know that it's been sort of mental health day recently but you can look at stuff like that and you get a wee serotonin boost of just uh, sort of a wee dopamine hit of just that good feeling of when you think back to, to, to sort of days of past where things you've maybe had sort of seen goals or celebrations and you just get that wee chill and you think ah that was fantastic and you're always sort of grateful for that um, so yeah, we'll move on to the big question for this evening. Uh, now we've taken a bit of a different turn with this one. Um, our WhatsApp chat has been bouncing um, through potential Rafe Rovers movie ties. So Duncan, I'm going to leave this one to you to to give a bit of a further explanation about it. Yeah, it's, it's this is just just as you say, Robbie. Something a wee bit different. Something a wee bit daft. Um, I'm going to save the best till last because uh, Leslie Maybon's one of his suggestions for this is is uh, is an absolute cracker and categorically will I'm sure 
end up being one of these uh, pre-match comic style posters. Um, so we'll, we'll remind me to come back to that one. But um, I've got a couple. I've got mine are mine are almost in the form of riddles. Uh, not content with just puns alone. So, for example, um, we could have a film about a planet populated by blue aliens who keep being sent off for violent conduct. That, of course, is Davotar. Uh, or, if you want a second one, mentioned them already, but you've got a Mercurial Winger who's sent to destroy an asteroid that's on a collision course with Earth. It's Bobby Barmageddon. I was going to go with Armstrong, Armstrong again, but I... Um, right, I'm going to give you one more and then I'll let you two jump in. What about the Rovers right back who overcomes adversity to become a boxer, coached by Clint Eastwood? That's the Ross Millen dollar baby. I was, I was, my head was going to Rocky Millen, which I know is rubbish, <laughs> but that's where my head went. So what else, what else did we get out of this one? Because there were, uh, there were some crackers earlier on. I only managed to really chip in with a couple. Um, so the uh, the former Rafe Rovers forward powerhouse who gets put into a, a lunatic asylum uh, to keep everyone's spirits up. Go on then. Oni flew over the cuckoo's nest. <laughs> <laughs> I really like that. That's very good. And... Um, the only other one I could come up with was um, the late 90s Nicolas Cage-style uh, free kick specialist who gets put onto a plane full of criminals. Conway Air. Deary me. Right, hang on. I've, I've, got, I've got two more. What about the ill-fated QPR starlet who has to leave the Rovers for a career in childcare? One. That's Christian Nanetti oh, McPhee. I, th- I thought you were going to say daily daycare. <laughs> right, and I'm going to give you my last one. So a Walsall Loney who's the only human actor in a festive film full of puppets. I know the player, but I don't know the film. Ah, it's a Muppets Christmas oh, Carol Holly. Holly. Yeah. <laughs> right, Michael, what you got for us? Oh, well, there's, there's no pressure here, but I'm afraid I've not really quite got to the... Uh, I mean, my creativity has not allowed me to develop any sort of taglines for them, so I'm afraid I'm just going to have to give the titles of them. Um, but we've, uh, we've got one about a dead ball specialist who does it all on his own, the Sloan Ranger. Yep. <laughs> and um, one that I have to say I've, uh, I've stolen from uh, Scott Fleming, which I really enjoyed, um, about an ensemble of characters, that the lion, the witch, and the warlock. Works as... Uh... What, what I did enjoy about this one was the indirect reference to David McGovern in there as well. Duncan, you've, uh, you've missed off one of the ones that was an absolute belter for you that you put in the WhatsApp. Which one was that? Um, the dentist and the former slave who go about uh, in a Tarantino film um, forming, um, with a particularly handsome former oh, centre back. Right, what would yeah. that be? That's that's Mango Unchained. <laughs> I, I had no idea what you where you were going with that one. Yeah, I forgot what Mango Bar. Um, there was another one as well. There was one other. Sandy, um, who has yet to make an appearance exactly on the podcast. Uh, Sandy Power, um, who I don't know if anyone's involved in the music scene in Kirkcaldy, his band Cornfield Chase, just to plug this, have recently released an EP and they do gigs quite frequently about the place. So um, he he came out with two absolute belters, uh, one of which was a Ramsden's Cup winner who can see dead people. It's the sixth Spence. That's the one. And uh, the former, um, same surname as me, um, who scored at Hamden um, in the game that won us the league, takes a, a trip um, in Nevada um, with his journalistic colleagues. We're in loving in Las Vegas. <laughs> I think there is a lot of mileage in this, 100%. and uh, I would, I would, I'm already looking forward to uh, to checking the Twitter mentions over the next couple of see, days. See, if you are going to respond on Twitter, I want to see cuties, so if you can get in the quote teats and just go for it, I just want to see that, um, because 
Yeah, as you say, a lot of mileage in it. Just some very, very silly suggestions in there. Um, about there, Scott came up with uh, Raiders of the Lost Starks um, as well. So yeah, yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of different opportunities in there. But if anyone has them um, and can think of any more, then we are yeah. by all means open to, to further suggestions. I'm looking uh, forward to to hearing what comes from people that are are cleverer than us. Uh, because certainly, as I say, my, my favourite one came from Leslie, who I think is probably the cleverest of us. And uh, just, it's, it's the most obvious that's the best. And uh, just <laughs> the big Dabrowski is really, yeah. really good. And as I say, I want to, I want to see that in a, in a comic book style illustration of uh, Big Kev in his dressing gown. Yeah. Uh, um, hanging out at the bowling alley. I mean, Scott had, uh, Scott had a few belters as well, Scott Fleather, and he said, uh, Bruni and Clyde, uh, Sean Byrne of the Dead, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean uh, was another one. I don't know what's up with my webcam tonight. It's uh, obviously doing society a favour here. But yeah, I think it's fine. Spotify, uh, Spotify uh, <laughs> listeners can just ignore this bit. Um, so that's grand. Uh, but yeah, um, so that's obviously covering off uh, the Montrose game tonight. If anyone's got any uh, further film um, related Rovers puns, by all means, feel free to leave that for us. As we say, we've got the Oktoberfest event on Saturday, so if you can make it along, uh, feel free to come in, and obviously, if you can get yourself registered, apparently. Uh, but yeah, uh, just again, thanks for listening, thanks for all the support for the podcast, uh, obviously it means the world to us, and um, looking forward to getting back after the Montrose game, just to have a bit of a chat about that. And then on to our final uh, league fixture of this quarter uh, against Arbroath, following on from that. Um, so, yeah, I've been keeping an eye on the Scotland score at the side, and it's still nil-nil, so tenter hooks about that as well. Um, so, guys, any other comments before we go? Nothing from me. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks, everyone.